one of the father by august strindberg translated by edith and warner oland this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the father by august strindberg characters a captain of cavalry read by bob newfeld laura his wife read by elizabeth clatt bertha their daughter read by charlotte duckett dr ostermark read by algie pug the pastor read by bruce peary the nurse read by ariel lipshaw noid read by alan mapstone an orderly read by david warner mother-in-law read by sarah and gracia parshall narration read by chuck williamson act one the sitting-room at the captain's there is a door a little to the right at the back in the middle of the room a large round table strewn with newspapers and magazines to right a leather-covered sofa and table in the right-hand corner a private door at left there is a door leading to the inner room and a desk with a clock on it game bags guns and other arms hang on the walls army coats hang near door at back on the large table stands a lighted lamp captain rings an orderly comes in yes captain is Noid out there? He is waiting for orders in the kitchen. In the kitchen again, is he? Send him in at once. Yes, Captain. Goes. What's the matter now? Oh, the rascal has been cutting up with the servant girl again. He's certainly a bad lot. Why, Noid got into the same trouble year before last, didn't he? Yes, you remember. Won't you be good enough to give him a friendly talking to? and perhaps you can make some impression on him i've sworn at him and flogged him too but it hasn't had the least effect and so you want me to preach to him what effect do you suppose the word of god will have on a rough trooper well it certainly has no effect on me i know that well enough try it on him anyway noid comes in what have you been up to now noid god save you cap'n but I couldn't talk about it with the pastor here. Don't be afraid of me, my boy. You had better confess, or you know what will happen. Well, you see, it was like this. We were at a dance at Gabrielle's, and then, then Ludwig said... What has Ludwig got to do with it? Stick to the truth. Yes, and Emma said, let's go into the barn. Oh, so it was emma who led you astray was it well not far from it you know that unless the girl is willing nothing ever happens never mind all that are you the father of the child or not who knows what's that don't you know why no that is you never can be sure weren't you the only one yes at the time but you can't be sure for all that are you trying to put the blame on ludwig 
is that what you're up to well you see it isn't easy to know who is to blame yes but you told emma you would marry her oh a fellow's always got to say that this is terrible isn't it it's the old story over again see here noid you surely ought to know whether you are the father or not well of course i was mixed up with the girl but you know yourself pastor that it needn't amount to anything for all that look here my lad we are talking about you now surely you won't leave the girl alone with the child i suppose we can't compel you to marry her but you should provide for the child that you shall do well then so must ludwig too then the case must go to the court i cannot ferret out the truth of all this nor is it to my liking so now be off one moment knight hmm. don't you think it dishonourable to leave a girl destitute like that with her child don't you think so don't you see that such conduct hmm? yes if only i knew for sure that i was the father of the child but you can't be sure of that pastor and i don't see much fun slaving all your life for another man's child surely you pastor and the cap'n can understand for yourselves be off god save you cap'n goes but keep out of the kitchen you rascal now why didn't you get after him what do you mean why you only sat and mumbled something or other to tell the truth i really don't know what to say it is a pity about the girl yes and a pity about the lad too for think if he were not the father the girl can nurse the child for four months at the orphanage and then it will be permanently provided for but it will be different for him the girl can get a good place afterwards in some respectable family but the lad's future may be ruined if he's dismissed from the regiment upon my soul i should like to be in the magistrate's shoes and judge this case the lad is probably not innocent one can't be sure but we do know that the girl is guilty if there is any guilt in the matter well well i judge no one but what were we talking about when this stupid business interrupted us it was about berta and her confirmation wasn't it yes but it was certainly not in particular about her confirmation but about her whole welfare this house is full of women who all want to have their say about my child my mother-in-law wants to make a spiritualist of her laura wants her to be an artist the governess wants her to be a methodist old margaret a baptist and the servant girls want her to join the salvation army it won't do to try to make a soul in patches like that i who have the chief right to try to form her character am constantly opposed in my efforts and that's why i have decided to send her away from home you have too many women trying to run this house you're right it's like going into a cage full of tigers and if i don't hold a red-hot iron under their noses they would tear me to pieces any moment and you laugh you rascal wasn't it enough that i married your sister without your palming off your old stepmother on me but good heavens one can't have stepmothers in one's own house 
No, you think it is better to have mothers-in-law in someone else's house. Oh, well, we all have some burden in life. But mine is certainly too heavy. I have my old nurse into the bargain, who treats me as if I ought to still wear a bib. She is a good old soul, to be sure, and she must not be dragged into such talk. You must keep a tight rein on the women folks. You let them run things too much. Now will you please inform me how I'm to keep order among the women folk? Laura was brought up with a firm hand, but although she is my own sister, I must admit she was pretty troublesome. Laura certainly has her faults, but with her it isn't so serious. Oh, speak out. I know her. She was brought up with romantic ideas, and it's been hard for her to find herself. But she is my wife. And because she is your wife, she is the best of wives. No, my dear fellow, it is she who really wears on you most. Well, anyway, the whole house is topsy-turvy. Laura won't let Bertha leave her, and I can't allow her to remain in this bedlam. Oh, so Laura won't. Well, then, I'm afraid you are in for trouble. When she was a child, if she set her mind on anything, she used to play dead dog till she got it. And then, likely as not, she would give it back, explaining that it wasn't the thing she wanted, but having her own way. So she was like that even then. Hmm. She really gets into such a passion sometimes that I am anxious about her and afraid she is ill. But what do you want to do with Bertha that is so unpardonable? Can't you compromise? You mustn't think that I want to make a prodigy of her, or an image of myself. I don't want to be a procurer for my daughter, and educate her exclusively for matrimony. For then, if she were left unmarried, she might have bitter days. On the other hand, I don't want to influence her toward a career that requires a long course of training which would be entirely thrown away if she should marry. What do you want, then? I want her to be a teacher. If she remains unmarried, she will be able to support herself, and at any rate she wouldn't be any worse off than the poor schoolmasters who have to share their salaries with a family. If she marries, she can use her knowledge in the education of her children. Am I right? Quite right. But, on the other hand, hasn't she shown such talent for painting that it would be a great pity to crush it? No. I have shown her sketches to an eminent painter, and he says they are only the kind of thing that can be learned at schools. But then a young fop came here in the summer who, of course, understands the matter much better, and he declared that she had colossal genius and so settled it to Laura's satisfaction. Was he quite taken with Bertha? That goes without saying. Then God help you, old man, for in that case I see no hope. This is pretty bad. And, of course, Laura has her supporters in there. Yes, you may be sure of that. The whole house is already up in arms, and between ourselves it is not exactly a noble conflict that is being waged from that quarter. Don't you think I know that? You do? I do. But the worst of it is, it strikes me that Bertha's future is being decided from spiteful motives. They hint that men better be careful, because women can do this or that nowadays. All day long, incessantly, it is a conflict between man and woman. 
are you going no stay for supper i have no special inducements to offer but but do stay you know i am expecting the new doctor have you seen him i caught a glimpse of him as i came along he looked pleasant and reliable that's good do you think it possible he may become my ally who can tell it depends on how much he has been among women but won't you really stay no thanks my dear fellow i promised to be home for supper and the wife gets uneasy if i am late uneasy angry you mean well as you will let me help you with your coat it's certainly pretty cold to-night thanks you must take care of your health adolf you seem rather nervous nervous yes you are not really very well has laura put that into your head she has treated me for the last twenty years as if i were at the point of death laura no but you make me uneasy about you take care of yourself that's my advice good-bye old man but didn't you want to talk about the confirmation not at all i assure you that matter will have to take its course in the ordinary way at the cost of clerical conscience for i am neither a believer nor a martyr good-bye love to laura goes the captain opens his desk and seats himself at it takes up account books thirty-four nine forty-three seven eight fifty-six laura coming in from inner room will you be kind enough just a moment sixty-six seventy-one eighty-four eighty-nine ninety-two a hundred what is it am i disturbing you not at all housekeeping money i suppose yes housekeeping money put the accounts down there and i will go over them the accounts yes am i to keep accounts now of course you are to keep accounts our affairs are in a precarious condition and in case of a liquidation accounts are necessary or one is liable to punishment for being careless it's not my fault that our affairs are in a precarious condition that is exactly what the accounts will decide it's not my fault that our tenant doesn't pay who recommended this tenant so warmly you why did you recommend a good-for-nothing we'll call him but why did you rent to this good-for-nothing because i was not allowed to eat in peace nor sleep in peace nor work in peace till you women got that man here you wanted him so that your brother might be rid of him your mother wanted him because i didn't want him the governess wanted him because he reads his bible and old margaret because she had known his grandmother from childhood that's why he was taken and if he hadn't been taken i'd be in a madhouse by now or lying in my grave however here is the housekeeping money and your pid money you may give me the accounts later laura curtsies thanks so much do you too keep an account of what you spend besides the housekeeping money that doesn't concern you no that's true just as little as my child's education concerns me have the gentlemen come to a decision after this evening's conference i had already come to a decision 
and therefore it only remained for me to talk it over with the one friend I and the family have in common. Bertha is to go to boarding-school in town, and she starts in a fortnight. To which boarding-school, if I may venture to ask? Professor Zeffberg's. That free-thinker? According to law, children are to be brought up in their father's faith. And the mother has no voice in the matter? None whatever. She has sold her birthright by a legal transaction, and forfeited her rights in return for the man's responsibility of caring for her and her children. That is to say she has no rights concerning her child? No, none at all. When once one has sold one's goods, one cannot have them back and still keep the money. But if both father and mother should agree? Do you think that could ever happen? I want her to live in town. You want her to stay at home. The arithmetical result would be that she remain at the railway station between train and home. This is a knot that cannot be untied, you see. Then it must be broken. What did Noid want here? That is an official secret. Which the whole kitchen knows. Good. Then you must know it. I do know it. And have your judgment ready made? My judgment is the judgment of the law. But it is not written in the law who the child's father is. No, but one usually knows that. Wise minds claim that one can never know. That's strange. Can't one ever know who the father of a child is? No, so they claim. How extraordinary! How can the father have such control over the children, then? He has control only when he has assumed the responsibilities of the child, or has had them forced upon him. But in wedlock, of course, there is no doubt about the fatherhood. There are no doubts, then? Well, I should hope not. But if the wife has been unfaithful? That's another matter. Was there anything else you wanted to say? Nothing. Then I shall go up to my room, and perhaps you will be kind enough to let me know when the doctor arrives. Closes desk and rises. Certainly. Captain goes through the private door, right. As soon as he comes, for I don't want to seem rude to him, you understand. Goes. I understand. Looks at the money she holds in her hands. Mother-in-law's voice within. Laura? Yes? Is my tea ready? Laura, in doorway to inner room. In just a moment. Laura goes toward hall door at back, as the orderly opens it. Dr. Ostermark. Madam. Laura advances and offers her hand. Welcome, doctor. You are heartily welcome. The captain is out, but he shall be back soon. I hope you'll excuse my coming so late, but I have already been called upon to pay some professional visits. Sit down, won't you? Thank you. Yes, there is a great deal of illness in the neighbourhood just now, but I hope it will agree with you here. For us country people living in such isolation, it is of great value to find a doctor who is interested in his patients. And I hear so many nice things of you, doctor that I hope the pleasantest relations will exist between us. You are indeed kind, and I hope, for your sake, my visits to you will not often be caused by necessity. Your family is, I believe, as a rule, in good health? 
Fortunately we have been spared acute illnesses. But still things are not altogether as they should be. Indeed? Heaven knows things are not as might be wished. Really, you alarm me. There are some circumstances in a family which, through honour and conscience, one is forced to conceal from the whole world. Excepting the doctor. Exactly. It is therefore my painful duty to tell you the whole truth immediately. Shouldn't we postpone this conference until I have had the honour of being introduced to the captain? No. You must hear me before seeing him. He relates to him, then? Yes. To him. My poor dear husband. You alarm me, indeed. And believe me, I sympathise with your misfortune. Laura, taking out handkerchief. My husband's mind is affected. And now you know all, and may judge for yourself when you see him. What do you say? I have read the captain's excellent treatises on mineralogy with admiration, and have found that they display a clear and powerful intellect. Really? How happy I should be if we should all prove to be mistaken! But, of course, it is possible that his mind might be affected in other directions. That is just what we fear, too. You see, he has sometimes the most extraordinary ideas, which, of course, one might expect in a learned man, if they did not have a disastrous effect on the welfare of his whole family. For instance, one of his whims is buying all kinds of things. This is serious. But what does he buy? Whole boxes of books that he never reads. There is nothing strange about a scholar's buying books. You don't believe what I am saying? Well, madam, I am convinced that you believe what you are saying. Tell me, is it reasonable to think that one can see what is happening on another planet by looking through a microscope? Does he say he can do that? Yes, that's what he says. Through a microscope? Through a microscope, yes. This is serious, if it is so. If it is so. Then you have no faith in me, doctor. And here I sit, confiding the family secret to— Indeed, madam, I am honoured by your confidence. But as a physician I must investigate and observe before giving an opinion. Has the captain ever shown any symptoms of indecision or instability of will? Has he? We have been married twenty years, and he has never yet made a decision without changing his mind afterward. Is he obstinate? He always insists on having his own way. But once he has got it, he drops the whole matter and asks me to decide. This is serious, and demands close observation. The will, you see, is the mainspring of the mind, and if it is affected, the whole mind goes to pieces. God knows how I have taught myself to humour his wishes through all these long years of trial. Oh, if you only knew what a life I have endured with him! If you only knew! Your misfortune touches me deeply and I promise you to see what can be done. I pity you with all my heart, and I beg you to trust me completely. But after what I have heard, I must ask you to avoid suggesting any ideas that might make a deep impression on the patient, for in a weak brain they develop rapidly and quickly turn to monomania or fixed ideas. You mean to avoid arousing suspicions? Exactly. One can make the insane believe anything, just because they are receptive to everything. Indeed. Then I understand. Yes. Yes. A bell rings within. Excuse me, my mother wishes to speak to me. 
One moment. Ah, here is Adolf. Captain comes in through private door. Ah, here already, Doctor. You are very welcome. Captain, it is a very great pleasure to me to make the acquaintance of so celebrated a man of science. Oh, I beg of you. The duties of service do not allow me to make any very profound investigations, but I believe I am now really on the track of a discovery. Indeed. You see, I have submitted meteoric stones to spectrum analysis, with the result that I have found carbon, that is to say, a clear trace of organic life. What do you say to that? Can you see that with the microscope? Lord, no, with a spectroscope. The spectroscope? Pardon, then you will be able to tell us what is happening on Jupiter. Not what is happening, but what has happened. If only the confounded booksellers in Paris would send me the books. But I believe all the booksellers in the universe have conspired against me. Think of it. For the last two months not a single one has ever answered my communications, neither letters nor abusive telegrams. I shall go mad over it, and I can't imagine what's the matter. Oh, I suppose it's the usual carelessness. You mustn't let it vex you so. But the devil of it is I shall not get my treatise done in time, and I know they are working along the same lines in Berlin. But we shouldn't be talking about this, but about you. If you care to live here, we have rooms for you in the wing, or perhaps you would rather live in the old quarters. Just as you like. No, as you like. Which is it to be? You must decide that, Captain. No, it is not for me to decide. You must say which you prefer. I have no preference in the matter, not at all. Oh, but I really cannot decide. For heaven's sake, doctor, say which you prefer. I have no choice in the matter, no opinion, no wishes. Haven't you got character enough to know what you want? Answer me, or I shall be provoked. Well, if it rests with me, I prefer to live here. Thank you. Forgive me, doctor, but nothing annoys me so much as to see people undecided about anything. Nurse comes in. Ah, there you are, Margaret. Do you happen to know whether the rooms in the wing are in order for the doctor? Yes, sir, they are. Very well. Then I won't detain you, doctor. You must be tired. Goodbye, and welcome once more. I shall see you tomorrow, I hope. Good evening, Captain. I dare say that my wife explained conditions here to you a little, so that you have some idea how the land lies. Yes, your excellent wife has given me a few hints about this and that, such as was necessary to a stranger. Good evening, Captain. What do you want, old dear? What is it? Now, little Master Adolf, just listen. Yes, Margaret. You are the only one I can listen to without having spasms. Now listen, Mr. Adolf. Don't you think you should go halfway and come to an agreement with Mistress in this fuss over the child? Just think of a mother. Think of a father, Margaret. There, there, there. A father has something besides his child, but a mother has nothing but her child. Just so, you old dear. She has only one burden, but I have three, and I have her burden too. 
don't you think that i should hold a better position in the world than that of a poor soldier if i had not had her and her child well that isn't what i wanted to talk about i can well believe that for you wanted to make it appear that i am in the wrong don't you believe mr adolph that i wish you well yes dear friend i do believe it but you don't know what is for my good you see it isn't enough for me to have given the child life i want to give her my soul too such things i don't understand but i do think that you ought to be able to agree you are not my friend margaret i oh lord what are you saying mr adolph do you think i can forget that you were my child when you were little well you dear have i forgotten it you have been like a mother to me and always have stood by me when i had everybody against me but now when i really need you you desert me and go over to the enemy the enemy yes the enemy you know well enough how things are in this house you have seen everything from the beginning indeed i have seen but god knows why two people should torment the life out of each other two people who are otherwise so good and wish all others well mistress is never like that to me or to others only to me i know it but let me tell you margaret if you desert me now you will do wrong for now they have begun to weave a plot against me and that doctor is not my friend oh mr adolph you believe evil about everybody but you see it's because you haven't the true faith that's just what it is yes you and the baptists have found the only true faith you are indeed lucky anyway i'm not unhappy like you mr adolph humble your heart and you will see that god will make you happy in your love for your neighbor it's a strange thing that you no sooner speak of god and love than your voice becomes hard and your eyes fill with hate no margaret surely you have not the true faith yes go on being proud and hard in your learning but it won't amount to much when it comes to the test how mightily you talk humble heart i know very well that knowledge is of no use to you women you ought to be ashamed of yourself but in spite of everything old margaret cares most for her great big boy and he will come back to the fold when it's stormy weather margaret forgive me but believe me when i say that there is no one here who wishes me well but you help me for i feel that something is going to happen here what it is i don't know but something evil is on the way what's that who's that screaming bertha enters from inner room father father help me save me my dear child what is it speak help me she wants to hurt me who wants to hurt you tell me speak grandmother but it's my fault for deceiving her tell me more yes but you mustn't say anything about it promise me you won't tell me what it is then nurse goes in the evening she generally turns down the lamp and makes me sit at the table holding a pen over a piece of paper then she says that the spirits are to write what's all this and you have never told me about it forgive me but i dared not for grandmother says that the spirits take revenge if one talks about them 
and then the pen writes, and I don't know whether I'm doing it or not. Sometimes it goes well, but sometimes it won't go at all. And when I'm tired, nothing comes, but she wants it to come just the same. And tonight I thought I was writing beautifully, and then my grandmother said that it was from Sagnelius, and that I had deceived her. And then she got terribly angry. Do you believe that there are spirits? I don't know. But I know that there are none. But Grandmother says that you don't understand, Father, and that you do much worse things, you who can see to other planets. Does she say that? Does she say that? What else does she say? She says that you can't work witchery. I never said that I could. You know what meteoric stones are, stones that fall from other heavenly bodies. I can examine them and learn whether they contain the same elements as our world. That is all I can tell. But Grandmother says that there are things that she can see which you cannot see. Then she lies. Grandmother doesn't tell lies. Why doesn't she? Then Mother tells lies too. Hmm. And if you say that Mother lies, I shall never believe in you again. I have not said so. And so you must believe in me when I tell you that it is for your future good that you should leave home. Will you? Will you go to town and learn something useful? Oh, yes. I should love to go to town. Away from here. Anywhere. If I can only see you sometimes. Often. Oh, it is so gloomy and awful in there all the time. Like a winter night. But when you come home, father... It is like a morning in spring, when they take off the double windows. My beloved child, my dear child. But, Father, you'll be good to Mother, won't you? She cries so often. Hmm. Then you want to go to town? Yes, yes. But if Mother doesn't want you to go? But she must let me. But if she won't? Well, then, I don't know what will happen. But she must, she must. Will you ask her? You must ask her very nicely. She wouldn't pay any attention to my asking. Mm-hmm. Now, if you wish it, and I wish it, and she doesn't wish it, what shall we do then? Oh, then it will all be in a tangle again. Why can't you both... Laura comes in. Oh, so Berta is here. Then perhaps we may have her own opinion as the question of her future has to be decided. A child can hardly have any well-grounded opinion about what a young girl's life is likely to be, while we, on the contrary, can more easily estimate what it may be, as we have seen so many young girls grow up. But as we are of different opinions, Berta must be the one to decide. No, I let no one usurp my rights, neither women nor children. Berta, leave us. Bertha goes out. You were afraid of hearing her opinion because you thought it would be to my advantage. I know that she wishes to go away from home, but I know also that you possess the power of changing her mind to suit your pleasure. Oh, am I really so powerful? Yes, you have a fiendish power of getting your own way, but so has anyone who does not scruple about the way it is accomplished. How did you get Dr. Norling away, for instance? And how did you get this new doctor here? Oh, yes, how did I manage that? You insulted the other one so much that he left, and made your brother recommend this fellow. 
Well, that was quite simple and legitimate. Is Berta to leave home now? Yes. She is to start in a fortnight. That is your decision? Yes. Then I must try to prevent it. You cannot. Can't I? Do you really think I would trust my daughter to wicked people to have her taught that everything her mother has implanted in her child is mere foolishness? Why, afterwards she would despise me all the rest of her life. Do you think that a father should allow ignorant and conceited women to teach his daughter that he is a charlatan? It means less to the father. Why so? Because the mother is closer to the child. As it has been discovered that no one can tell for a certainty who the father of a child is. How does that apply to this case? You do not know whether you are Berta's father or not. I do not know. No. What no one knows you surely cannot know. Are you joking? No. I am only making use of your own teaching. For that matter, how do you know that I have not been unfaithful to you? I believe you capable of almost anything, but not that, nor that you would talk about it if it were true. Suppose that I was prepared to bear anything, even to being despised and driven out, everything for the sake of being able to keep and control my child, and that I am truthful now when I declare that Berta is my child, but not yours. Suppose— Stop now! Just suppose this. In that case your power would be at an end. When you had proved that I was not the father. That would not be difficult. Would you like me to do so? Stop! Of course I should only need to declare the name of the real father, give all details of place and time. For instance, when was Berta born? In the third year of our marriage? Stop now, or else— Or else what? Shall we stop now? Think carefully about all you do and decide, and whatever you do don't make yourself ridiculous. I consider all this most lamentable. Which makes you all the more ridiculous. And you? Oh, we women are really too clever. That's why one cannot contend with you. Then why provoke contests with a superior enemy? Superior? Yes. It's queer, but I have never looked at a man without knowing myself to be his superior. Then you shall be made to see your superior for once, so that you shall never forget it. That'll be interesting. Nurse comes in. Supper is served. Will you come in? Very well. Captain lingers, sits down with a magazine in an armchair near table. Aren't you coming in to supper? No, thanks. I don't want anything. What, are you annoyed? No, but I am not hungry. Come, or they will ask unnecessary questions. Be good now. You won't. Stay there, then. Goes. Mr. Adolph, what is this all about? I don't know what it is. Can you explain to me why you women treat an old man as if he were a child? I don't understand it, but it must be because all you men, great and small, are women's children, every man of you. But no women are born of men. Yes, but I am Berta's father. Tell me, Margaret, don't you believe it? Don't you? 
Lord, how silly you are! Of course you are your own child's father. Come and eat now, and don't sit there and sulk. There, there, come now. Get out, woman. The hell with the hags. Goes to private door. Sved! Sved! Orderly comes in. Yes, Captain. Hitch into the covered sleigh at once. Captain, listen to me. Out, woman. At once. Orderly goes. Good Lord, what's going to happen now? Captain puts on his cap and coat and prepares to go out. Don't expect me home before midnight. Goes. Lord, preserve us. Whatever will be the end of this? End of Act One